today I'm, uh, I'm excited because we're going to be in John 15. We're going to be continuing um, to look at, at this chapter. Dave was with us last week and, and provided a really good overview of this chapter and kind of gave us an aerial view of what we're going to be tackling over the next month. And today, what I want to do is I want to just kind of hone in on one of those ideas, and it's the word, the word abide. Or if you're an NIV person, the word remain. I want to read our text this morning, and, and I want you just to notice how many times that word remain, or if it's in your Bible, you're reading along, and, and that, that word abide pops up. And so this is a word of the Lord from John 15, and I was encouraged this morning. I walked on here, and Andrew, one of our pastors, said, hey, man, you could just literally stand up and read the scripture, and it'd be so powerful. And I think so often when I come into places like this, I'm like, hey, let's get through the scripture reading, and then I want to hear what you have to say. And I think we should actually do the reverse, that we should give more attention to what Jesus says. And if you're going to give anyone more attention, give it to him more than what I'm going to say after it. So listen to these words in John 15. This is our big, bro- our big brother, the king, our savior, Jesus. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As a father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. The word of the Lord from John 15. What I want to do this morning, I want to kind of talk through four things. I want to give us some clarity on what that word abide, remain means. The second thing I want to do is I want to talk about some threats that come up to abiding. The third thing is I want to talk about the consequences of abiding and the consequences of not abiding. And then finally, I want to get real practical and go, hey, what does it look like to abide? How do we do that? So I want to jump into this first idea of, man, uh, give us some clarity on, on what that word means. And so the words here in John 15, they originally came to us in the Greek language. And so um, sometimes uh, when people who are way smarter than me would sit down to translate the Bible, um, there were some words that are in the Greek language that every translator agrees on the meaning. And they go, yeah, that's the definition. That's the understanding. That's why no matter what translation you use, if someone's reading from a different word, you're like, oh, or a different translation, sometimes there are words and it's like, oh, that's, that's the same word that my Bible says. But then there are oftentimes in the scripture where a different translation um, will use a different word and it's kind of the same general meaning or understanding, but they'll, they'll go with a different word. And so um, that's the case with, with this word. And so in the Greek, it's the word menete. And, and I love the, the fullness of this definition. Listen to, to what this word means. It means to remain, to reside, to wait for, to keep on, to lodge with, or my favorite definition, to stay. I really like that. Think about a time in your life when, when someone you love looked at you and said, I don't want you to go, stay. 
Our staff, every year in May, we get away for a couple days and it's our annual staff retreat and we spend some time just kind of prepping for the year ahead and it's a time of worship and playing and just connecting on a heart level and it's so much fun. One of the things that uh, the majority of our staff does at night is they play Live Mafia. I don't know any Live Mafia fans here. And so our, our team always is like, hey, you know, after everything's done at the end of the day, hey, let's do this. And so I am the guy that it's like 9, 30, 10 o'clock and I want to go to bed. And so our team every year, they just know, you know, we're done with the program, done with everything for the day. I'm probably going to hit the sack. And they're always like, hey, please don't go to bed. Stay with us and play. And, and underneath that, that call to stay is this just desire of like, hey, we don't want you to leave. You ever think about my kids and, and my seven-year-old will still do this sometimes and today's her birthday and, and I hope that she never quits. Well, I hope that one day she quits doing this, but not for a long time. But, you know, she'll come and she'll grab my legs and I'm walking out the door and she's like, Dad, don't go to work, stay. And I'm like, I wish so badly I could. <laughs> you had a moment in life where, man, you're, it's, it's just the, there was so much joy and so much contentment. Maybe you were at the beach with your friends or maybe you're in the mountains with your family, whatever it was. You ever had a moment where you go, man, I just wish I could stay here forever. You know, guys, when, when you ask someone to stay, it communicates so many things. Man, I, I want you. I, I love being with you. I do not want our connection, our time together to end. And so think about this. When Jesus gives these words to his disciples, when he gives these words to us, he, he looks at us and he says, I want you to abide. I want you to remain. I want you to stay in me. Jordan, I want you to stay. I want to stay connected to you. I don't want you to, to check out for, for a year or 10 years. I don't want you to check out for a month. I don't want you to check out for an hour. I want this unbroken connection with you, Didi, for, for the entirety of your life. I want us to, to, to be locked in step. I don't want to spend one second. Graham, I don't want you to spend one second disconnected from me. And underneath this command, and I want to be clear, it is a, a command in the Greek, it's an imperative. And so Jesus looks at us and says, I, I, I want you to stay. But below the command, underneath it, is this beautiful picture of God's heart for us that, that he looks at and he goes, I don't want you to go. Which makes really no sense. <laughs> Why the creator of the universe would look at us and go, man, I, I want you. And I want to, to walk through every second and every phase of life with you. And it makes no sense because we know our own hearts, right? We know our own minds. We know the things that pass through our heads. And the things that we, that we say that, you know, we, we know our own selves. We know how sinful we can be. And we're like, man, the fact that the creator, the sustainer, the one who knows all things wants me. It's like, God, that doesn't make any sense. But I want us to, to think about this. The Lord looks at us and says, stay. His heart for us is that we would stay. I want to talk secondly about some of the threats. What, what, what threatens us staying with God? What is it that, that can come in between us being locked in with God all throughout the day, all throughout our lives? And earlier this summer, I read this book called um, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer, and it's a really good read, um, super helpful. And in it, he talks about um, three different um, enemies that we face whether you know this or not. And, and the, the first enemy, the, the first is, is Satan himself. And 
You know, a couple weeks ago, Dave shared that um, once we get through the season of prayer and fasting, we're, our plan is to, to spend the rest of the year in the gospel of John, that literally we're just going to kind of walk through the entire gospel, just verse by verse. And, and we'll get to John chapter eight, we'll get to John chapter 10, where the enemy is mentioned. And, and Jesus calls Satan, you know, a very real being. He calls Satan the deceiver. He calls him the accuser. He calls him a, a liar. And, and, and I want you to know this, that the voice of the enemy is so incredibly deceptive and his tactics are sneaky. And he will try relentlessly to get us to break fellowship with God to get us to exert our independence from God, to go, go, to go our own way, to go against what he has spoken in the scripture. It's why knowing the scripture and reading the scripture and meditating on the scripture and having the scripture in our heart is so important because this right here conveys who God is, what he's really like, what his desire for us is. And I go, the one of the biggest threats to us staying locked in with the Lord all throughout our lives is the enemy. The second thing Comer talks about is the world. And, and I don't probably have to spend even much time here convincing you that, that the pull, the, the gravitational pull of the world isn't to God. That, that spend time on your campus, spend time at your workplace, you know, just, just open your eyes to the commercials and the billboards. And, and it's not, it doesn't take much convincing to go, man, that, that there is something that is drastically trying to just pull us away from God. It's not just the world. We also have this thing in us, the, the flesh. This thing in us that, that wants what we want and no matter what it costs other people, no matter how much it hurts, that, that there's this thing in us that if we feed this thing, it just destroys us, it destroys everyone else. And I go, man, so the Lord looks at us, the King who created us, who made us in his image, who was there in the beginning. He looks at us and he says, I want you to spend the entirety of your life staying in me. And, and, and there are some real threats that are gonna come our way. A couple of other threats is, is I, I think, um, a broken understanding of how this relationship with Jesus actually works. And what I mean by that is many of us, we've made Jesus our boss, we've made him our Lord, but we've not allowed him to be our guide. So we read the scriptures and, and we see a command and, and we look at it and we go, all right, I got it. And we go off in our own strength, in our own wisdom and, and in our own gifting, try to be faithful to the thing. And that's not ever how he desired for us to live. He didn't ever intend to just give us a checklist. I mean, he, he invited us to be a part of what he is doing. To in this life, be deeply connected to him. And I'd say one of the, the last keys, and this is not an exhaustive list, but another threat to, to, to staying in Jesus is that so many of us, if we're just being honest, we don't know how. And we're gonna talk about this at the end today. The third thing I wanna talk about today, and so um, talk a little bit about man, what it means, and, and we talked a little bit about the threats. The third thing I wanna talk through is the, the consequences of abiding and the consequences of not abiding. Um, you know, a life of abiding, staying with Jesus, it includes better rewards than we can even imagine in this life. And the flip side is true as well, that choosing to not stay is more devastating and destructive than we could ever realize. What I love about Jesus is that, is that he just lays out these paths for us. And, and Jesus is, 
is not callous and he's most certainly not heartless, that what you see is that Jesus actually honoring our sense of choice, that he created us and he gives us the ability to choose how we steward our lives, how you steward our money and our time and our finances and our sexuality, how we choose to, uh, what, what we choose to, to, to drive our life. And Jesus looks at us and he goes, hey, if, if, if you give your life to listening to me and following me and letting my life flow through, if you stay locked into me, there will be incredible reward. But if you spend your life running from me and disobeying me and hardening your heart for me, you need to know where that path will lead you. And, and I love it because Jesus, man, it, he, he speaks some really hard words. And I was just kind of thinking about, uh, you know, my seven-year-old. And, and we're, we're, we're trying this thing with her right now where, where she'll, she'll, she'll throw a fit when she's not getting her way. And I'll, and I'll go to her and I'll say, hey, listen, there are two paths, right? There are two paths that you can choose. If you keep going down this path, there's going to be a consequence. And I'm telling you, you don't want to go down this path. The other path for you is, is that you can change what's going on right now in your heart. You can change this and, and we can have a great time the rest of the day. And, 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 I'll, and I lay those two choices before her and she just starts crying. And I'm like, wait. I didn't tell you that you're going to get this. And, it, it, and I said, you have a choice in this. And what I realized is she just doesn't like that there are two different paths. She wants to do whatever she wants and still get the reward. And I go, oh, man, that's so many of us. That's me. I want to go through this life and do what I want. And I still want the reward and I want the blessing in Jesus because he loves us. Go, no, if you live your life this way, there is reward. If you live your life this way, it's going to be more destructive than, destructive than you can even imagine. Let's look at this in verse five and six. Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen to verse six. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burn. And those are hard words. And honestly, um, I think if we're not careful what we do as Christians, we just kind of gloss over those things. We go, oh, let's read something that makes us feel better. Or let's, you know, think about something that, you know, there's enough hard stuff going on in the world and we, and we don't look hard at the words that Jesus is saying. But here, here's what Jesus is saying. A posture in life that says, God, I don't want you. And I don't like you. And I do not want you to speak into my life. I refuse to trust you. I refuse to follow you. I refuse to get to know you. Jesus says, you need to know that if that's the path that you go down in this life, he said, in this life, your soul, like a branch that's fallen from a tree, will wither. Some of you know that. Some of you come here today and, and, and you come here, you're not yet a Christian, but you are so curious. And, and you look at your life and you're going, yeah, that's exactly the case. I've tried to go in my own way. I've tried to be my own boss. I've tried to, to do things without the instruction of this, without the leading of the Holy Spirit. And you go, it's exactly like being a branch that's falling. I am withering. My soul is withered. Others of you, man, you're, you're here today and, and, and you might not say it like this, but, but you're on the path of walking away from Jesus. And, and right now it doesn't feel like you're withering. 
I think about our Christmas tree. You know, we got a real Christmas tree and, and that thing just lived and lived and lived and lived. It sat in our yard after we had taken out of the water and it lived and lived. My mother-in-law was like, that was a good tree. I'm like, I know it was. It's still living. It's not connected to anything. And, and, and yet the reality is that that thing has a shelf life. And some of you, you come here today and you're, you're going your own way and it doesn't feel like life is withering because there's joy and there's comfort and there's, pain, there's pleasure. But I'm telling you, there will be a moment where you realize it withers. And not just in this life, in the age to come, there will be a painful consequence for never opening up to receive Jesus as he actually is. And my encouragement to you is to, if you come here today and you, and you don't follow Jesus and you don't believe in Jesus, to really get to the bottom of, of why. There's too much at stake. Some of you are hurt deeply in church or by a leader. And you've projected that onto Jesus. You've projected that onto the Heavenly Father. And you've kept him at arm's distance. And don't do that any longer. That he wants to come in and, and heal and help and strengthen. And he will not hurt you. He's here to protect you, strengthen you. And for some of you, it's, a, it's an intellectual thing. And maybe at the bottom of it, it's, it's pride. It's, oh, I, don't, I don't know what other people are going to think if I really lean into this Jesus thing. And I encourage you to, to get past your pride to do a really honest evaluation of, hey, is, is Jesus real? And I'm telling you, if, if you will explore that path genuinely, if you'll open your heart, you'll discover he is, and he's, and he's better than you can imagine. And life with him is better than you can imagine. That the hope and the peace and the strength and the, and the comfort and to know that the God of the heavens is for you and not against you. That, that the God of heavens is going to come back and, and he's going to redeem you and he's going to take you to be with him forever and, and ever and ever. And that in this life you will have nothing to fear. You won't even have to fear death itself because you serve a God who overcame death. And even when you die, man, if your faith is in Jesus, that there will be a day when he will call you out of the grave and you will see his face and you will be with him forever and ever and ever and my encouragement to you is, is do the hard work of getting to the very bottom of the unbelief and, and don't pretend and, and, don't, and don't just, it's, it's the most important thing about your life is your soul. And don't treat it lightly. Jesus says, and there are consequences to rejecting me, 
to not letting me in, to not giving me a shot. And he said, They're more, it's more destructive than you can even begin to imagine. But the other side is, if you choose to remain in me, there's a better reward. There are better rewards than you can even know. He says, that, he says if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And I love Dave's definition last week. He said that, that fruit is the work of God in us and the work of God through us. That when you continue just to, to let the, the life of God into your heart and flow through your life, that, that this internal peace of God in you of, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, that these things, it doesn't mean they won't be contested in your life, but, but these things will remain and it's not just that, that you know God personally and you have all this internal stuff that, that I think one of the most amazing parts of following Jesus is that he actually works through you and me and all of our brokenness to bless other people. And the best part is most of the time we don't even know it. You don't even know God's using you to, to bless others. This week on one of the morning Zoom prayer calls, Will, who leads worship, and his wife, Katie, they led and and at the end of the prayer call, they said, hey, what I want to do is we want to, you just to look at different people who are on this prayer call. And we want you just to, to speak life. We want you just to encourage someone on this prayer call who has spurred you on, who has blessed you, who has loved you, who has held you up, who has called you higher, who has walked with you. And it was so amazing just listening to people unmute and, and to pray blessing and to say, thank you, God, for this person or this man or this woman, or to see them typing in the chat. And, and I go, guys, there is something so amazing that God does where, where he uses your life to spur other people on. This life is so hard. There is so much pain and so much tragedy. If you're in a, if you're in a great season right now, you know that, that that great season doesn't always just last. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. You just know the way that life works, that hard things come and life is difficult. And God will use other people. And God will use you to help people keep their eyes on the Lord so their faith doesn't fail, so their heart doesn't grow weak. And Jesus says, you need to know if you remain in me, there'll be much fruit. In verse seven, I love this, he says, and if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We don't have time to, to dive into the depths of this verse, but we know that Jesus isn't saying Hey, every time you ask for something, you get what you want. That's not what he's saying here. But what he is saying is he wants us to have a confidence in the Father. That when the life of God is flowing through our lives because we're deeply connected to him, we can ask and we can expect God to answer. Give me just one example you know, during this month of prayer and fasting, I know that many of you are praying for someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus or that's walked away from Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, the Lord says, it is his desire that all people would come to be saved, would come to a knowledge of Jesus. So what that means is that, that when you are praying 
for whoever it is in your life, man, we have confidence, a certainty that God is working in that prayer. And I don't pretend to know how it works. I don't know what God is specifically doing when, you, when you're praying for your son or you're praying for your, for your best friend to come back to Jesus. But I know that that prayer is heard by God. And I also want to encourage you, God doesn't tell us a time frame for when we should expect an answer. A woman in our church, I was meeting with her last week and she was saying that the very last day of her dad's life, the last day that he was thinking clearly, lucid, a pastor came and visited with him and, and he opened up the scripture and he shared this parable and she said, I heard from a different room, I heard it in my dad's voice that he finally got it. He understood the gospel. That he understood Jesus, that, that his whole life he had rejected him. And, and, and the, the very last day, she said, and the, and the very next day, I kid you not, he, his, his mind left him. She said, but I got to witness my dad be saved. And I encourage you, man, to, to pray with confidence. The things that are, are near to God's heart, lean all the way into those things and there's a great fruit that comes in it. The fourth thing that we'll talk about this morning is, okay, let's get real practical. What does it look like to, to stay? What does it look like to abide, to remain? And some of you, you're like, Brandon, you don't need to give me this point. And I know that. You've been following Jesus for a long time. You are, you are so firmly just rooted in Jesus, but the reality is not everyone here is like that. There's a proactive response and there's a, uh, and there's a responsive response. I probably should have thought a different word right there. It's proactive and there's a responsive. And so um, here's what I mean. Man, there is something about just seeking the Lord, meditating on his word and obeying what we read of, of putting ourselves in places to worship and putting ourselves in, in house churches and, and putting ourselves in the presence of God just to pray. My encouragement to you, my invitation to you, what does it look like to stay? And this is not in the scripture that you have to do this, but, but I have found just so much fruit. And anytime I'm, I'm walking with someone, my encouragement is to always to wake up and to give God the first of your day. To wake up and spend time with God before you do anything else. And again, we're not gonna be legalistic. It's not like, Hey, this is in, you know, 2 Corinthians. Did you have to do that? There's just something about the, the first thing that you're doing when you just turn your heart towards the Lord. Several years ago, I was um, spending time with um, Kevin Queen with some other leaders. And Kevin Queen's a pastor over at Crosspoint. And he was talking about his morning that he will, he will wake up. And he said, I will stay in the presence of God until my heart gets untangled. And I'm like, that is really good language. Because that's exactly what happens is there's something that happens when I go to sleep every night and I wake up and there's just, there's just, you know, thinking about my kids and my wife and our church and thinking about my house church and thinking about kids basketball teams. I'm just thinking about all the areas I'm missing it. And, and my heart is just a mess in the morning, but there's something about getting the presence of God that, that if I will just get there, if I will stay in that place, he just has this way of untangling. And I've noticed that the older I get, the more I need that. And part of what it means to stay is, is to just spend time with God. And, and you know this, in every good friendship and every good relationship, there's time with them. 
But it's not just, you know, uh, uninterrupted time. There's, there's also this reality of, of staying that is, is intentionally staying connected to God throughout the day. You know, throughout the day, I will call my wife and, and I'll text her. Why do I do that? Because I want to stay married, number one, but also because I just want to know how she's doing and I want to tell her I love her and I want to see, you know, the baby take a nap today and are the kids driving you crazy and, you know, all the, the thing, just checking in on her heart. And, 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 and I go, man, there, it's so the, the way with God. That all throughout the day, man, things come in our head, worries and, and fears and pain, and we'll think about something and we'll, 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 we'll sin or we'll do something. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but I will just stay in my head so often. And what God is saying is I desire to take those internalization, those thoughts, turn them into prayers, get them out of your head and onto your lips and into my heart. Man, that we would be people that all throughout the day, we, we turn to God for wisdom and guidance whenever you have to have a hard conversation. Or when you're at a, a place in life, it doesn't even have to be a huge thing, but you don't know what to do. Literally just calling out, God, would you give me wisdom? You know, there's this thing that happens in my house sometimes where, you know, I have four little kids and, and my wife, and there'll be a moment where like everyone is trying to talk to me. And and I do not have the ability to hear everybody in my family's, you know, voices at once and discern. And so they're all talking. I'm like, stop, stop talking, like one at a time. And I love that the Lord is so different, that he wants to hear from each of us. And he has the ability to hear and to discern and to know what's going on. That we'd stay connected throughout the day, that we would be proactive about getting into the presence of the Lord, but not that we would just be proactive because it's not just all on us, that we'd be responsive. And what I mean by that is that we would learn to listen to the nudges of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God who is ever with us, who is always guiding us, who has given to us, not the only reason, but one of the reasons is to help us stay connected to God. Last night had been a very full day, you know, coached three of my kids' basketball games. We had family with us all day. It'd just been a long day. I was tired, and, and, and I felt like right before, you know, kids went to bed, and I just felt the Lord, the Spirit say to me, hey, Brandon, your head is spinning. Get on your knees and let me settle you. And it was so true. I just was thinking about teaching today and thinking about all I had to get done. And there's something about just listening to the Spirit. And guys, I go, um, this is not all on us. So if you have heard in this teaching that, man, staying is completely dependent upon you. It's all about your effort. That's not true. There is a posture of, man, when we mature, when we grow up in Christ, that we learn to take ownership for our own walk, but we also have to know that the Spirit of God's taken lead in us. And if we will learn to listen and follow, he will always, always lead us to Jesus. Hey, don't worry. Turn that into a prayer. Don't worry about that conversation. Turn it into a prayer. Don't worry about how that's going to work out. Turn it into a prayer. Talk to me. The Father's desire is that we would stay connected, that we would remain, that we would abide. Here in just a minute, we're going to take communion. Every week, we take a piece of bread and a cup of juice, and we, and we eat, and we remember Jesus. We remember his death. We remember his grace. We remember his love for us that was demonstrated on the cross of Calvary. 
And we do this a little different as a church. We take it in groups. And so we encourage everyone to gather up chairs, you know, to circle up with the people around you and to share. And so during communion, I want to just give us some space with the people that are around you, the people that you're sitting around, sitting with. And it's just real simple. I'd encourage you just to, to share this. Is there anything on your heart or mind this morning that you need prayer for? And for some, the reality is you're doing really well. And, and so your prayer is like, God, just keep giving me strength to keep walking with you. Others of you, the, the, the truth is it's been a tough week. It's been a tough season with family or with friends or with work, or maybe it's something mental and emotional that you are just down and you don't know why. And I encourage you in this communion time man, to let other people in in your life to pray for you, to share what's actually going on. To not just go, hey, I'm good, and to, to, to not just, you know, disengage because it's a little bit harder. I encourage you to lean all the way in in communion. And if you will, God will meet you there. God will bless you this morning. So I invite us to stand up. I'm going to pray for us. Lord, thank you for my sisters and my brothers and for letting us be here today. Lord, I pray that if there's anything that I said that was not of you, that was not from you, that you would let it be forgotten. And anything that was from you, God, that it would just stick and bear fruit. And that you would show us what to do with it. Lord, open our eyes as we take communion. Let us feel you and see you and believe in you. And so as we gather to, to share, how would you meet us in all these little circles? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you need a little extra prayer this morning, there'll be some of us at the respond banner. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Um, and also, if, if you just need to pray by yourself today, you can do that. You can just tell the person sitting next to you, hey, I just need some time. That's also as okay as well this morning. Let's go take communion right now. Feel free to circle up your chairs.